So it wasn't so much about what they didn't have, but what they did have. Jesus gave them authority. Authority to cast out unclean spirits, to push back the forces of evil. He gave them authority to preach the message he had been preaching, this good news of the kingdom that has come. He gave them authority to heal by anointing people. Other than the authority, it was that and a walking stick and the sandals on their feet. Nothing else. No food, no money, no change of clothes, no luggage, no shelter, none of it. They were going to now have to completely rely on God. Rely on the fact that when they went out and they preached this message, that people would receive that message, they would respond positively to it, and that those people would take care of whatever needs the disciples might have. That's the way it is with ministry. When the Lord calls you to serve him, you don't sit down at the table with him and negotiate about what you want or what you need in the contract to make it all work. No, no, no. When the Lord calls you, you go. He takes you. He sends you. That's just the way it is. We heard about it in Am- from Amos in the Old Testament. The 12 disciples are sent out that way. And still today, this is the way the ministry is done. I mean, I know. <laughs> I'm one of those people. And I remind myself with this reading, I remind my family who's here with me tonight, everything literally that we have as a family is because all of you share what God has given to you with us so that I can support my family and with my colleagues and so that they can support their family so that while you all go out and do other kinds of jobs, we work here and we can dedicate ourselves to what the Lord has called us to do here at Trinity. And I just want to say to you, because I don't say it often enough, thank you. Thank you so much for your constant generosity to my family and to the families of my colleagues. Thank you for the privilege that we have to serve the Lord every day in His holy church. It is not taken for granted, and I want you to know that. Now tonight, as I mentioned, we're we're, um, also focusing on this spa ministry. This is Uh, It's been a a really great relationship that we've had with them over the last couple years. Not only, you know, supporting them financially, we've got several members who go down to the spa and and they volunteer and they help out with, with things that they need down there. And as you can see as it's up there, spa stands for spiritual and personal adjustment. And they know, just like I was talking about, that they have got to rely on the Lord and trust Him that from the, from the goodness of individuals and from churches like ours, that God is going to supply everything they need. But back in about 1998, there were a couple of women who felt called by God to start this house. That's what it is. It's a home. It provides for long-term care. The, the, the ladies go and they live in this home. And as I mentioned, these are women who really have taken some knocks in life. Some of them have dealt with with uh, uh, um, some of them have had domestic violence or others have had sexual assault or, or maybe there has been substance abuse. And they go to this place that is completely Christ-centered so that they can find hope and they can find healing and they can find out who they really are as women made in the image of God and redeemed by Jesus. Now, I could tell you a whole lot more about it, but tonight we've got just a short video to show you with a couple of the gals from the spa telling you their personal stories and what this has done for them. So, Emily, can you hit that for us, please?
It's a great video, but I got to tell you, we're getting a little short change tonight. Tomorrow at worship, several of the ladies are coming, and a couple of them are going to tell us personally. They'll be here and tell us uh, their stories, but none of them could be here tonight, but this is actually pretty cool. It's beautiful. Last year, when they came and visited, one of the gals who gave us her testimony, her name's Morgan. Uh, Morgan has finished the program. She's getting married tonight, and they're all at the wedding, and that's why they're not here with us tonight. So they are all celebrating. So how, we're not getting shortchanged at all, actually. That's just, that shows you, though, what this ministry does. And, you know, I thought about it as I watched this video, and I remember them being here last year. Our partnership with the spa is, you know, we're gonna, we give to it, of course, but actually I think we get a whole lot more out of it, and here's why. We come to church, and we sing our songs, and we use our big religious words, and we talk about Jesus, but for a lot of us here, it's still a theory. It's an idea, it's a religious concept, and when you hear these stories, you say, oh, no, 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 it's real. Jesus is real, and the work and the ministry he does, it's for realsies, people. He changes and he transforms lives. I mean, as you listen to those stories, and I think about my own life, and I think about these ladies, I'm like, you know what? There is nothing, there is no difference between them and any of us here, except maybe one thing. I'll come back to that in a second. But there is no difference in their lives. The reason why we are all here tonight is because we know that we are broken, and that we are wounded, and we need healing. We're hurting. So if there's any difference between us and some of us at least, and them, it's this. Their hearts, when they go to the spa, their hearts are completely open. Their lives are open to Jesus, and they completely surrender themselves to him so that he can change them. And some of us still gathered here tonight, we say that we believe Jesus can change us and he can transform us like that. We say the right things, but we don't really believe that. We don't really think Jesus makes that kind of transformation in our lives Or even worse, we're not really willing to let him try. Because, you see, we don't want to change. That would mean that we would have to completely surrender ourselves to him. We'd have to give up the control. But just like Jesus sent out those 12 disciples with real authority as they preached that message of the coming kingdom of God, a message of both repentance and hope, as they went and they pushed back the forces of evil, as they went out and anointed and they healed people. What Jesus did then through the disciples is what Jesus still does today. And so I want to finish this homily with three brief points. I want to take us back to the second reading from Ephesians. Because there there are three promises that St. Paul tells us about. Three promises from the Lord. And if you would let these promises not just, you know, go in one ear and out the other, or not just be a theory or an idea in your life, but if you would let these three promises sink into the depths of your heart, it will change you. So St. Paul starts off with a word of praise for God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Blessed be God, he says. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Here's why. Here's number one. The Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blemish before him. If you believe in the theory of evolution, 
and therefore there's no God, then this is all by freak chance. You are a freak chance. You're one of the lucky ones. You're a survivor. We believe that before the world was even created, God chose you. He chose you. And he chose you in Jesus to be holy and without blemish. What does that mean? Paul uses this exact same phrase a few chapters later in chapter 5. And there he's talking about how Jesus is the groom. And how his church is the bride. And that the groom gives his life for the bride. Us, the church, gives his life for us so that we may be presented to him holy and without blemish. The very same words are used there. Do you know what this means? Let me put it this way. Look, you know how kids, especially little girls, love to play wedding, right? They spend, little girls a lot of times grow up, maybe some boys do too. Little girls grow up and like, oh, I can't wait till my wedding day. And maybe they get their friends together and they play wedding and they do this sort of thing. They're like looking forward to it. What this is saying is that that's what God was doing before he created the world. He made the whole thing. He was looking forward to the wedding day. He was looking forward to the moment when his bride would walk down the aisle to him. There's a reason why when we come to weddings, we love the bride. The groom, eh, you know, who cares about him? It's the bride. That's the moment. The doors fling open. She comes down. She's beautiful, radiant in her dress. And we're all weeping and we're crying. Why? Because when we look at our lives right now, we look in the mirror, most of the time we're down on ourselves and we say it's ugly and it's filthy and we're in tattered rags. But in our hearts, there's this faint dream deep down inside that, that there's supposed to be something more, that another day is coming, that the day is coming when we're going to walk down the aisle to our God and we will be beautiful and radiant and holy and without blemish. God chose us in Christ before he created everything, before he made any of it. It was all about the coming wedding day. Number two, every one of us has been abandoned. We've known when it's been to be disappointed when somebody lets us down. And sometimes it's when somebody that's really supposed to be there for you. Sometimes it's a mother or a father. And we so desperately want their approval. We so desperately want their affection. They don't give it to us. Maybe Maybe they were even cruel towards us. Or maybe they just never had time. They were always busy with something else. And so we find ourselves desperately wanting that approval, wanting that affection. We crave it. Why? Because, see, this is what defines us. We need that in order to know who we are, but we can't find it. And so we'll go out and try to find it from somebody, and sometimes we will do anything to get it. Here's the thing. Friends, we are not abandoned orphans. We are not abandoned orphans with no one to love us. Here's the number two promise. In love, the Father destined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ. This means that he made us his cherished sons and daughters. I'm telling you, it is only when you let this sink into your heart that you will figure out who you really are. Only when you let 
the Lord, the Father, love you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Let him love you. That's the approval you're looking for. Here's the thing. You've already got it. He's already given it to you. And then here's the third. In Jesus, we have redemption by his blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions. Redemption is a word that is associated with slavery. You redeem a slave. You buy a slave in order to set a slave free from captivity. Slavery is anything that controls your life. Whatever it is that you just don't seem to have the power to say no to, that's your slavery. That's your captivity. We call it sin in the church. It's the behaviors. It's the the habits. It's the attitudes. It's the addictions. Martin Luther teaches us in the small catechism that we have been redeemed. In other words, we have been bought, not with gold or silver, but with his holy and precious blood and his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, that I may be his The blood of Jesus, when we say the blood of Jesus takes away our sins, the blood of Jesus takes away, redeems us, the blood of Jesus forgives our transgressions. It's not that it just wipes away everything that we've done wrong in the past, though it does that. It's that the blood of Jesus sets us free now. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us the power and the strength to say no to sin. No, you're not my master. No, I'm not your slave. Jesus is my Lord. It is the blood of Jesus that can break the cycle in your life. And all of this is yours. It's it's all ours. It's all ours in Jesus. We're chosen. We're adopted. We're redeemed. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. Please stand and confess your faith with me.